Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long. Because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome, everybody, to Ravens Week. Matt Bove alongside Sal Capaccio, sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bills and WGR Bills beat reporter. I'm with Channel 7 in Buffalo. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal, this is our first midweek podcast following a loss. We haven't Mm -hmm. had to do that yet. I know the sky was falling on Sunday after we recorded the podcast for the Bills' loss to the Dolphins. A couple days removed from that now. What does it feel like? Does it feel like Western New York bills fans everywhere have finally calmed down a little bit? Most of them. Right. I mean, I think you still got some that are out there kind of still kind of gnashing their teeth a little bit. It was the dolphins. We talked about how much that rivalry means to so many fans. And I still think you got a lot of fans out there very upset about what happened. Still talking about, you know, maybe making excuses. I say, don't no, not excuses, but there were some factors with the weather and the injuries, of course, like that, you know, this podcast is called it's always game day in Buffalo. And honestly, I was just thinking it truly is like always game day in Buffalo soon with the Sabres starting and the bills going on. Right. I mean, you're going to have so much. I think this is the kind of the, one of the best times of year. I think October might be my favorite sports month of the year because everything kind of start starts up and then in November might even top that because then you have college basketball and the NBA as well, really get going. So uh, this is a great time of year that we're rolling into Matt and it is always game day. And this is a big week this week to take on the Ravens, another AFC team. But yeah, to answer your question, I think most fans have kind of turned the page and that's what you have to do, right? I mean, it's week three, you have another big game coming up. You can't dwell on what happened in Miami. Can we circle back really quickly? I want to, before I love ranking things, people who know me know that I love that. Give me your favorite month and your least favorite month of the year. Hmm. Okay. My favorite month of the year is, you know what? I think it might be September. Okay. That's Uh, a very, I mean, that's a very respectable answer. It's um, it football starts. My son goes back to school so (laughs) a little bit. Um, and the weather's still really good. It's not too hot. It's nice. It's warm. I think September might be, I think without a doubt, my least favorite month is February. Uh, it is just, I just, we're, it's cold. You can get freezing temperatures, snow. And I will tell you though, I mean, now, but the bills may be playing into February, that'd be great. But generally the bill season is over by then. So yeah, you're, you're in the middle of kind of a hockey season basketball, I, you know, ending the season is great. I love college basketball, but it's the weather more than anything. And just being like, come on, can we just get past this? I need to get to March. When I get to March, I feel like mentally, Matt, we've kind of cleared the hurdle and it's home free, even though that's not usually the case. Okay. So I very much respect both of your answers. I think for me, I'm going to start with my least favorite month. And this is a little bit, probably more controversial than your pick. My least favorite month is March not February because mm. I feel like February just leading up to the Super Bowl kind of gets you halfway through the month. And then after that, you're like, okay, whatever. The rest of the month kind of goes by fast. I think March drags and everybody's like, well, March madness, March madness. Right. How, but, can you not, how could you be a say March if you're a college basketball fan in any respect? I'm not a really big college basketball okay. fan. And also March madness doesn't really start until the end of March. So those first like three weeks of March, I have no interest whatsoever. And this is going to like probably make people mad. I don't care about the 
insert conference name here tournament unless I'm covering it. Well, you see, that is those those conference tournaments start the first week of March, like the lower, lower levels. And then the second week is the other ones. Then the third week is the big ones, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it, but I love those. Like I'm not throwing on the SEC conference basketball tournament. There's, there's really no reason that I would watch that. None whatsoever. And you went big time. You didn't even say like, I'm not throwing on the, you know, I'm in Southwest Missouri Valley conference tournament. No, and that's, and that's what I mean. Like, that's what I'm going right to the top. Cause it's like, yeah, when UB goes to the Mac tournament and we're there covering it, that's a big deal. But like, I don't, I just, I just don't care. I I just, okay. And then my favorite is November. And I know we're teetering on some kind of bad weather in November. Sometimes I'm a big holidays guy. Yeah. I like love it. the, love, love the fact that in November we have NFL football. We have NHL hockey. We have NBA basketball. We have college football. Still we've got the holidays by November. I think I can throw on Christmas music. I'm a big Christmas music guy, like midway through November. Love Thanksgiving, probably my favorite holiday. So yeah, for me, I think November takes the cake. I'm a big fall guy, as I've talked about though on the podcast. Like my favorite time of the year is from September until the day after Christmas. And then after that, kind of stinks for like four months. Yeah, no, no. I'm 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 with you on a lot of that. I can't get with you on the whole March thing just because of March madness. I, I love it too much. Well, when the Bills play against the Ravens, it's gonna be October, right? I mean, yeah. the, the calendar will have turned to October and we are in the fourth week of the year. I generally say, Matt, you kind of don't know who the team really is till after four weeks. And even then mm-hmm. like it changes, I think the first four weeks are kind of a feeling out period in the NFL. Who are the bills after three weeks right now? Who are the bills? Are they the team you thought they'd be? Are they anybody different? The bills are the best team in football. Still. That's what I think. I mm-hmm. still think that after the loss, I know that a lot of people are maybe turned off or they've lowered their expectations a little bit, but I don't think they should be. We talked a lot on the last episode about the difference between kind of like excuses and factors of how they lost. What was, You said it very eloquently. Reasons. How, reasons, reasons and excuses. Like, okay, so that's, I think as I've had time to kind of reflect on what happened, I'm even more convinced of how good of a team they are based on, I think the dolphins are good. Like I I legitimately think the dolphins, you can make the argument are a top five team in the NFL right now. No questions asked. Some people think they're the best team in the NFL right now. I wouldn't go there yet, but I think the dolphins are a top five team in the league. And I think the bills hung with them on a day when they probably had no business hanging with them and still almost won the game. And I just think back to all of the mistakes that the bills made, all of the self-inflicted wounds. And I just don't think they're going to do that very often. I think they're, they're not perfect. I said, they're the best team in the league. I still think they could even lose this weekend, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But I think when I say best team in the league, I don't necessarily mean like right now, week four, they're the best team in the league. When I say best team in the league, I'm like, I think that team has the best chance at winning the Super Bowl, And that's still how I feel about the bills after three games and heading into the fourth week. And you said, you know, you really can't tell a team after four, you know, until you get to the four week part for me, I always like to kind of look at the schedule in quarters, you know, with four games. And it was easier when it was 16 games. Now that it's seven games, I'll say maybe make the last one, five games. So it's four games, four games, four games, and then five games. So I think at worst they're 500 through a really, really tough stretch of their schedule at best. They're three and one which I think most fans would have probably signed up for before the season even started. I know they win the first two games and people are like, Oh, this they're going to win every game. They're not losing to Miami. But if we didn't know how the game is played out and you told bills fans four weeks ago, they're going to be three and one after the Ravens game. I would think most fans would sign up for that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that the seven games going through the next several, right? You got, three down so far. And then you have the Ravens, the Steelers, the chiefs and the Packers, the first seven games for everybody were like, Hey, when the schedule came out, Matt, it's like, these are really tough seven games. If they go five and two, that'd be, I think that's a win, right? If they go five and two, I'll take it. Look at the rest of the schedule. They're still on track. They can do that. The problem is nobody really banked on them losing at Miami when that happened. Right? So when you win the first two, okay, great. Like we're yeah. Five and two looks good. I think even four and three, some people be like, yeah, you can't really do that, but you could kind of see it. The, the problem is losing to Miami because if you lose to LA and then you beat the Tennessee and Miami and you're two and one, it's like, okay, I get it. You lose the Tennessee even. Yeah. 
tough to take at home Monday night, but they were the number one seed. You lost to Miami. And now on the heels of that, you got the Ravens coming up. And I think that's what gives people a little bit of angst, which is um, how they might feel a little bit differently about this team. Not only that they lost, but how they lost, making some of the critical mistakes that they lost. I agree with you. I still think, you know, money line, betting line, I would bet the Bills over any team to win the Super Bowl. I think they're the best roster top to bottom. And I think this is kind of what you're saying, but I'll say it this way. I think the Miami game, actually, it didn't expose them in any way. It actually strengthened what I believe is the best depth in the league. I think for them to roll out there, some of the people they had to roll out there. And I understand Jaquan Johnson and Damar Hamlin gave up a third and 22, but you're talking about Jaquan Johnson in his second ever NFL start. Damar Hamlin, his first ever NFL start. Jamarcus Ingram in his NFL debut, taking over for Christian Benford. Kyer Elam in his first NFL start. A third-string center who's normally a practice squad guard having to play center. Tommy Doyle having to go in and play guard who has never done it in his career, finishes the game in a torn ACL. They still had 500 yards of offense. To me, it just strengthens the notion that they have the best roster in the league. I agree with that. And I think that it's going to be put to the test in the short term. And it's actually something that I talked a little bit to Ed Oliver about after practice on Wednesday, we're recording this. So everybody knows on Wednesday night, we went over to Ed Oliver and we're like, Hey, how you doing? And he's like, well, you know, I'm doing much better. I feel better. I feel like I'm making strides. And he was talking about how frustrating it's been because he hasn't really missed time, significant time in the NFL since he turned pro to be on the sidelines. But one of the things that he got asked, it might've even been by me. I kind of forgot, but it was like the fact that it's early in the year, is that make it easier to swallow because you know, you're going to be there and ready to go for the really important games. Or is it make it more frustrating because the season has just started and you want to, you know, kick your team off on a positive note. And he was like, well, it was a little bit of both, but I really have been thinking a lot about, you know what, like I trust my team to get through this part and I'll be back when they really, really need me. And I think that that's kind of how I feel about the entire roster. It's like, yeah, they have some depth. They've been put to the test. Now, you know, they go out, they sign Xavier Rhodes, like they're making these moves. Well, they might have a luxury of even more depth as we get through the next four or five weeks. I mean, look at the corner position where it was the questions we had about it before the season, and then project a couple weeks down the road, knowing now what Christian Benford is once he's ready to come back from his hand injury, knowing that they've signed roads, knowing what we know about Elam now, and then Dane Jackson looks like he's going to be back in at least a couple weeks. And then you're going to have Tredavious white pack. And all of a sudden this position where you were really, really concerned about now you have your normal starter, Trey white, you have a plethora of options between Jackson, Benford Rhodes, and Elam. And then you have all the other guys playing as depth roles. So like that's one particular position where I just say like, yeah, the depth really is impressive. Losing Micah is certainly a, a big hill obstacle. They've got to overcome, but I would say that I was fairly impressed with Johnson and Hamlin in their first game. I wasn't overly impressed and I wasn't unimpressed. I was just kind of what I expected. If they don't give up the third and 22, are you much more impressed? Doesn't that take away some of that? Well, I think I would say I'm much more impressed. Maybe if they won the game, just because knowing that that was kind of the backbreaker that ended up costing them the game. So yes, I would have definitely been more impressed, but it is still, it's tough when you say take out one play because that one play ultimately, I think kind of cost them the game or it's one of the, one of the plays that cost them the game, not the singular one. Well, they do have the Ravens on Sunday in Baltimore, and there's a lot of things to get to on this game. So we'll do that next because we got to talk about the weather, the injuries, stopping Lamar Jackson. So let's get to the Baltimore Ravens. The Buffalo Bills are taking them out on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Baltimore. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here. It's always game day in Buffalo. It's going to be game day on Sunday in Baltimore. It is the Bills taking on the Ravens, a big AFC tilt. So the weather early in the week, it was looking like it would be almost, I wouldn't say monsoonish, Matt, mm-hmm. but it would be like pretty heavy rain. It's a pretty good wind um, because of Hurricane Ian coming up the coast. Some of the remnants of that would still be around. It looks like Ian is slowing down, which is actually horrible news for the people down in Florida and the Southeast, but looks like maybe not as much rain, but it's still going to be wet. It's still going to be a rainy day. And it's still going to be a little bit of a wind. So we'll see how it how it plays out, but maybe not as bad as we all thought uh, originally. Who does this benefit if it is a little bit windy and a little bit rainy? Because neither team, I mean, neither team really runs the ball outside their quarterback very well these days, it seems like. And both of them want to use their quarterback to throw the ball. And the Ravens have been great at that just as much as the Bills are with Josh Allen. Okay, so I'm looking at the weather right now. Yep. Cloudy with occasional rain showers, high around 65 degrees, winds northeast, 10 to 20 miles an hour, 60% chance of rain. That's mm-hmm. for Sunday. That's according to weather.com. And so, it's gone down. It was like 75 or 80% on uh, a couple of days ago. So maybe by the time we get there, it doesn't rain, but it looks like it'll be wet in some capacity, maybe pretty breezy. I think if it's a ground and pound monsoon game, it hurt, it helps the Ravens and it hurts the bills. Mm-hmm. Even though the Ravens running game has not been overly impressive to this point this year. I think that's been the one area for the bills that has really fallen short of what my expectations were. I don't necessarily think that's all on the running backs either. I just don't think the offensive line, especially in run blocking is very good. I think they'll get better as the season goes on, but if it's going to be a sloppy muck fest of a game where both teams know that they're going to run on first down on second down. And then they're going to figure out what they do on third down. I think that helps the Ravens. Cause I don't think the bills have a very strong offensive line specifically in the run game. Yeah. I mean, you could really talk yourself into either one of these things because if I would say, sure, if the, Ravens have to run the ball and Lamar Jackson and the both teams have to, you know, you give the edge maybe to them because he can break a long one. But I, I would also say that, you know what, it gives the bills a chance to concentrate on stopping that run a little bit more and not having to worry about the deep passing attack that they have so far, which they do. I look over at that Ravens team. There's also some issues right now. So let's not, let's take weather out of the equation. Yeah. They, Ronnie Stanley is a big question mark. We don't know if he's going to play. Uh, they have a rookie left tackle. Uh, Falela is his name. I believe Falele is how you say it. And he actually came in and played because they're down to their, he was their third string. He's playing. If Ronnie Stanley plays, it'll be his first game in like over a year. Yeah. He right? came back for, he came back for a game last year, I believe. Right. So one I think, game. so like two years, he's played one game and he hasn't played yet. And if he does do that, he's going to step on the field, even though he's a former all pro step on the field against Von Miller in his first game back. I'm not so sure how that would go anyway. In the meantime, it could be a rookie left tackle. And then you look at what they've been doing. And as great as Lamar has been, here's a great stat for you, Matt. And everybody out there, take a look at the Ravens receiving chart. 22 catches for Mark Andrews, the tight end. The next closest is eight catches. Now, great big plays from Bateman and Duvernay. Like they both have eight catches each and they've made great big plays down the field. But 22 for one guy, a tight end. And then the next closest in eight catches for a wide receiver. When we think about Mark Andrews, because he is such a significant part of their offense. I mean, it's, it's Lamar throwing to Mark Andrews and then them running the ball. Basically. What do you think the bills plan would be? What's their plan of attack? Do you think that they try and have a specific player shadow him the entire game? Do you think that they lean on a couple different guys? Like how, how do you think this time around they will try and contain Mark Andrews? Cause Mark Andrews, is going to get his. It's a matter of not letting him take over the game, I think. So there was a stat that I don't know offhand that showed when Matt Milano's been on the field, tight ends have had much, much, much less success against the Buffalo Bills when he's when they, he's not on the field. Mm-hmm. So that tells me Matt Milano plays a big role in covering tight ends, and we've seen that. He's an athletic linebacker. He can cover for sure. 
I think that's the plan. It's not your one-on-one with Mark Andrews all the time, but I think that's a guy that you'll see matched up with him in coverage. Um, I think Matt Milano plays a big, big role here. Uh, I think the bills could at times also go with a three linebacker set. They did that against the Ravens in 2020 in the playoffs. Remember AJ Klein played a bunch in that game in this situation. It would be either Tyrell Dodson or Terrell Bernard. Terrell Bernard might be the guy here because he's such a good cover linebacker. Maybe he goes in there. The bills don't want to go from their base package with nickel a lot, but they will do it in situations like this. I think it's probably either Milano and a base nickel package or Terrell Bernard as a third linebacker to make sure that Mark Andrews doesn't go off. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Terrell Bernard because I think they're trying to figure out ways to get him on the field because they've been impressed with him, not only in the first couple games of the season, but also going back to training camp. And he seems like the perfect kind of person to do that. I'm also, excuse me, a little bit intrigued by Saran Neal. Like I would like to see Saran Neal more involved in the bills defense up to this point. It was a little surprising that he wasn't more involved given the injury that they dealt with last week, especially in Miami. But at the same time, maybe they have a plan in place or they didn't want to get to that point. It's interesting though, Bateman and DuVernay, they both can take the top off on a defense. So that's something that the bills definitely have to prepare for. I mean, they don't do it to the level that Waddle and Hill do it. So I don't think it's going to be as something they're so laser locked in on like they were last week against Miami, but Lamar is just playing like a man possessed right now. So that's the thing for the bills. It's just understanding that Lamar Jackson is going to probably it's funny because the Ravens are probably going to put up points. The bills will have to outscore them in a marathon which is kind of what we thought was going to happen last week against the dolphins. And it's definitely what we thought was going to happen after the game became, what was it? 14, 14. And it was like, okay, yeah, I hope everybody has the over. And then after that, it just became a big mistake fest and the bills couldn't score. And the dolphins had one more touchdown after that. So I think this week, the bills are going to need to put up more points to outpace the Ravens. I also think they're going to be able to, because I think that like the Maryvale team could go score some points on the Ravens or, you know, late. What, what's a good, did you go to Maryville? No, you went to Chictawaga. I was trying to no, say, Oh, you know, I knew I, I, once you said Maryville, I'm like, are you really have to use a rival? I'm sorry. I knew but it was something I went, in Chictawaga. I, I went to Cleveland Hill, which is in Chictawaga and growing up Cleve Hill and Maryville were arch enemies and rivals. And that's kind of been renewed. Although Maryville's a little bit of a bigger school. Yeah. Uh, but I played against Chictawaga. We didn't play against Maryville. So that was a bit of a rival. And now it's basically Cleve Hill and JFK. There's four schools in Chictawaga, but thank you for thinking of it. Yeah. Like, so you, I was you, thinking you, you, I was, you did get the wrong team there. Although I will tell you, I have many friends at Maryville. So shout out to the flyers. There's way too many teams in Chictawaga. <laughs> there's only one Niagara Weedfield Falcon. There you go. So there you, you don't go. get confused with all of the other teams that are in the area. There's too many Chictawaga teams. Yeah, you're right though. The, the Ravens defense just has not been the kind of the typical Ravens defense that we're accustomed to seeing, which is, you know, shutting teams down aggressive. And, you know, they weren't that great last year either, but talk, we talking with uh, one of the Ravens reporters, uh, Bo Smolka, who was on Bo Smolka, excuse me, who was on WGR with us this week on the extra point show. He said the big issue is they cannot get pressure right now. They can't get oh. anything off the edge. They can't get any pressure. And Matt, they signed Jason Pierre-Paul to add to that, that he might actually play against the bills on Sunday. And he just got a Ravens uniform on Wednesday. They same conversation I had with Sean Stepner used to work at channel seven. We worked together. He covers the Ravens now. And the first thing that I asked him was about the Ravens defense. And that was the same thing he brought up. He was like, they get literally no pressure. So if Josh Allen has a couple seconds, every single play to pick apart a defense, he's going to do that. And their secondary is banged up, not banged up to the level. It was when they played the dolphins two weeks ago, but still banged up. And by bill standards, like, Josh Allen will be able to have a day. It's they don't have a Xavier Howard on the Ravens right. in the Ravens secondary. So, and it's interesting because when I think of the Ravens still historically, I think of Lamar Jackson now, and I think of a really stout defense that is going to make you earn every single play that you get this year. It is not the, that way. They're two and one. I think they're a very good team, but I also think that they can really be picked apart, especially on their defense. And that's why I'm more confident the bills can put up points, even if it is a kind of bad weather day. Cause it, if it's not a monsoon, they'll still be able to throw the ball. They sure. might not be able to throw it 60. What was it? 62 times, 63 right. times. Like they did against the dolphins on Sunday, 
but they'll still be able to throw the ball and they'll still be able to put points on the board. Yeah. They do have Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters, but it just seems like even those players right now aren't necessarily playing at the level. And I know they've been a little bank banged up as well, but speaking of banged up, let's go through the bills injury report, Matt, because um, it's lengthy. It's long. Jeez. It's lengthy. Yeah. And there's some things we kind of have to kind of go over and discuss here and what you think about what's going to happen. So five players on Wednesday, like we said, we're talking here, recording this on Wednesday, things can change on Thursday and Friday, five players on Wednesday did not practice with some sort of injury or illness, including Deion Dawkins, which is a non COVID related illness, Ryan Bates in the concussion protocol. We know they're not going to have Christian Benford. Jake Kumro is going to be out with the ankle sprain. Uh, and then Jordan Phillips also is going to be out. So yep. out of those guys, um, you hope you get Deion Dawkins back. You're not going to get Benford back. That obviously could be problematic, but that's where Xavier Rhodes comes in. That's how you say his name. I asked him, you do say the X Xavier Rhodes might come in. They signed him to the practice squad. I would not be surprised, Matt Bovey. Tell me what you think. If he actually gets elevated and plays on Sunday, because he knows the defense, he's a veteran. I think they'd like to lean on him a little bit if they have to. Oh, I think you will. I don't yeah. think it's not a surprise. I think you go. it's the same thing that happened with Cole Beasley in Tampa Bay last week. They signed him to the practice squad. He was elevated and he played in the game. I think even with him only having three full practices with the bills, they would probably feel more comfortable with him in Elam on the field, as opposed to Ingram and in Elam on the field. And that's not a knock on Ingram. He, you think held he his could, own. He could he even was, start. You think he could even start? I do. I do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is it, what do you think? Is it more likely than Ingram plays or that Rhodes plays? It's a good question. I think Ingram played pretty well when he went on the field last week, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. I've assumed that he would get elevated and just be there as kind of like, okay, we have a veteran we can turn to. I think at this point I might say Ingram's going to start, but I, I could definitely see. Oh, and by the way, we we shouldn't write off Dane Jackson yet either. Unbelievable. Oh, that that is right. That's a great point unbelievable that he was even on the practice field on Wednesday. And we talked to him after and he was, he was so just honest and genuine. And he was explaining kind of what was going through his head when it was all happening and how scary it was and how he hadn't seen the hit. And it hurts him now to go back and watch it more than he said it even did when he was on the field. Mm -hmm. He said the support from Bill's mafia was unbelievable. He said people were sending him letters and edible arrangements and all this stuff. But just the fact that it was nine days ago from the time that we're, it was almost nine like exactly nine days ago from the time when we're recording this podcast, he was in the back of an ambulance and he was getting transported to ECMC. And we didn't know if that guy would, you know, be at the facility anymore this year. We didn't know what was going to happen with Dane Jackson as a person, not Dane Jackson as a football player. And then on Wednesday he's at practice and he's specifically asked, Hey, is it really way too far fetched to think about you returning to the field? He gave you a very Sean Mc Sean McDermott cliche. We're just taking it day to day at this point, <laughs> but he did kind of give himself an out. He was like, "But if they need me to go, I'll do what I can to go. I'm not sore. I'm not in pain. I- I'm ready." So I don't know. I think it's maybe a little bit of a long shot. But the fact that we're seeing him practice tells me that it's not that far down the road that he's back. And they didn't put him on injured reserve, which means that they expect him back within that four week period. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that they expect him back sooner than that too. Yeah. Just from what we saw at practice. I'm glad you brought up Dane because that is a possibility. All right. So let's run through those because he was, he was limited at practice. Dane he, Jackson. Was, he was limited on Wednesday. Yes. That's right. Along with Gabe Davis with the ankle. Mm-hmm. Dawson Knox talk with him after he said, it's really, he's just a little sore. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said the same. I, I think, I think Dawson's good to go. Yeah. He just, he got drilled in the head then he had a cramp then he had the IV. So all that kind of stuff was happening. Cam Lewis has a forearm issue. He'll be fine. He had it kind of a, he's been dealing with that for months. Yep, exactly. Um, Mitch Morse, I think will be fine. I think that to be honest with you, I think Mitch to me was close to playing last week because I mean, that seemed like it kind of came out of the blue that he was not going to play. And maybe it was because of the six days and they couldn't really get him quite where they needed him to be. So I'd be surprised if Mitch Morris doesn't play this week. Um, the new guy, Justin Murray, people are like, why'd they sign a guy that's got a hurt foot, dude? He was limited <laughs> yeah. already. Well, I think there was an injury settlement why he got released anyway. And I think he has a bit of an injury that he's going to recover from, but they wanted some more depth. So that's why they signed him. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. he's going to play this week, but they feel like they can use him. Ed Oliver, we talked about he's limited. Jordan Poyer, what do you think about his chances? I think he's going to play. Okay. I think based I think based off of practice, just kind of an educated guess, I think Jordan Poyer is going to be on the field on Sunday. All right. So let without Jake Kumaro, are we assuming Khalil Shakir gets a jersey? 
do you think they could elevate Isaiah Hodgins? Because if we talk about elevating um, Xavier Rhodes, that's one. You would get two. You get two guys to elevate every week. Is Isaiah Hodgins a candidate to be elevated, or do they not need to do that because of Khalil Shakir? What about Tavon Austin? I thought about this. I don't think so because Tavon, I think you would do that if you needed a return man, and they don't. I agree. And I think that he's probably more similar to McKenzie and Crowder than he is to what Jay Kumaro brings. And that's why Hodgins is an interesting name because he is more of a boundary play. I think that they would be more likely to start Shakir than to elevate Hodgins from the practice squad because there's a reason Shakir made the team and Hodgins didn't. Could you see both? Could you see both happening? Him Shakir getting a Jersey on game day and elevating Hodgins, even if he doesn't dress, which has happened as well. I do see that scenario. I don't necessarily think that's definitely going to happen, but I see that scenario. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. A lot of it also depends because Gabe is still on the injury report. A lot of it also depends on what Gabe Davis's status is, because then if you're at all concerned about him or how many plays he's going to be able to take or how effective he's going to be, then I think you definitely elevate Hodgins because then you're down to digs. And then after that, who are you putting on the boundary? you would probably want somebody with a little bit of size and Shakir doesn't have that Hodgins does. I don't think we're going to get to that point just from being out of practice on Wednesday. I think Gabe will be good to go. It's just a matter of the injuries have kind of hit every position at this point. Yeah. A couple of things to keep in mind here. Number one, um, another week, Marquez Stevenson is eligible to come back from injured reserve, not saying he would, I mean, uh-huh. I think that could be a longer injury. We, you know, but he, he is eligible to come back just like Tredavious white, by the way, from pop also one position. They do not need to elevate defensive line. They've 10 right now on the active roster. So they're okay. there. they have 10 guys on the active roster. And then finally, before we move on and take some questions, do you know what Tavon Austin's job is this week? I'm guessing to see the scout team quarterback. He is Lamar Jackson. That's what I figured. I figured they just put a red eight Jersey on him and just let him <laughs> run around and lose his mind and throw. If he can, I don't know. Right. <laughs> just, he probably can just be Tavon Austin, man, because you can be Lamar Jackson. Doesn't it make sense though? Right. If you looked on the roster and I said, tell me the one guy that could simulate Lamar Jackson, trying to run the ball, trying to simulate him. I think you'd point to Tavon Austin. That's fun. That is cool. I mean, I know that like McKenzie has done it in the past as yes. well. Ray so Ray McLeod did it. Ray Ray McLeod did it. So uh, uh, Lamar Jackson is playing like a man possessed right now. He's playing yeah. like a different level of Lamar Jackson than I think a lot of us have ever seen or have seen since his MVP season. They've done a good job though in the past against him. They've done a fairly good job. You know, it was an outstanding job in the playoff game. And even in the game in 2019, they did a pretty good job. The bills had a chance at the end of that game. And it seemed like the Ravens that year were just out of this world. Good. So I think they'll have some things kind of schemed up to make it a little bit more of a difficult day for Lamar Jackson. This game's an interesting one. We'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. I I think a lot of bills fans are really, really concerned about this game. And I get it because Lamar is that good of a player. It's just a matter of, can the bills win a track meet and are the bills better at a lot of other positions? And we'll address that at the end. All right. We'll definitely do that. And by the way, last time they played, I mean, the first two times Sean McDermott's only faced Lamar Jackson twice as a head coach because Lamar came in the league in 2018 and Sean McDermott was already head coach in Buffalo, 20 carries, 73 yards. That's a really good job. Way carries. 73 yards. You're right. But didn't he play in his season debut in 2018 in that blowout? As a starter. I'm sorry. As a starter. Yes, you're, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. That might, you're right. Way to correct me. That's okay. No, you're, you're right. But I do remember because that's also, we saw Josh in that game. Yes. He has played him three times. Lamar has started twice against Sean McDermott. He okay. came in, he came in in that late in that game in 2019, the Ravens came to Buffalo and won. And in 2020, the Ravens came to Buffalo in the playoffs and lost in those two games, 20 carries for 73 yards. The bills did a very nice job on Lamar Jackson. Let's get to some questions, Matt. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, job well done, everybody. Sal put out the customary, hey, we're recording a podcast tonight. Any questions for us? Got like 60 responses. Oh, my gosh. And this is in like a half hour. That's what I mean. It's not even like an hour since you posted the tweet. So (laughs) thank you, everybody. Now, there are some ridiculous ones mixed in, like my former colleague, Jeff Slauson, who said, how many actual Ravens could you fight at the same time? Sal, did you know that the thing I am more afraid of than anything in this world is birds? Wow. I did not. I mean, a lot of people have that phobia. What is that called? Is there a certain phobia of beards and birds? What we used to joke, I'm sure it's not a joke for some people, but what my mom used to say was FOB, FOB, fear of birds. We would go to like Animal Kingdom as kids and there's like the bird exhibit and all the birds are flying around you and she'd be like FOB and I would like duck and put hands over my head. Yeah, I just for some reason do not like birds at all. Uh, There is a word for it. Would you like me to give it to you? Sure. Ornithophobia, 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 I think is how you say it. When I say ornithophobia, when I say it's what I'm more afraid of than anything in the world, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration. Sure. But like if a bird flew by me and landed on my shoulder, I would lose my mind. Wow. That's so you have never seen the movie, the birds, right? Albert Hitchcock. Oh God. No, I know exactly. I know everything about the movie and I won't even think about it. Got to have your wife like strap you down and watch it. Maybe it'll get you over your fear. And I'm not kidding, man. You could, that could happen. I also not a scary movie guy at all. Scary movies don't bother me. Like the scary movies that I've seen, I I don't get scared from, but I have no desire to just turn on a scary. Also hate haunted houses, hate them. Like I remember, I don't love them either, but they're fine. No way. Am I, you would have to pay me. A ridiculous amount of, I don't see how people enjoy that walking around and getting scared. <laughs> well, I, I hear that. Okay. <laughs> we, we have to have a different discussion about this. Yes. Like When we get to Halloween, all right, when we do the podcast for Halloween, we have to remember to go back and circle back to this about scary movies and haunted yes. houses and all that, because we could definitely go down a way different path and have a much different discussion for that. Anthony tweets in, this is good for everybody to kind of know how much of practice do you guys get to see? Are they practicing specific plays after the media leaves? Go ahead, Matt. How much practice do we get to see? It ranges. It's usually around 20, 25 minutes. Basically what we're able to watch during the regular season is we're able to watch them stretch. We are able to watch them do individual drills, and then we are able to watch them do position drills. So Josh Allen throwing to Stefan Diggs against air, not against a defensive back or the running backs hitting the hole and running all the way across the field because there's nobody there trying to stop them. So we only get about 25, 30 minutes or so. I would say we usually get enough time to take attendance, see who's there, see who isn't there, see who's maybe looking like they'll play, maybe who is looking like they won't play. And then you can take some nuggets here and there from the positional drills and whatnot. But no, we we don't see any game plan specific things while we're in practice. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much the rule for the entire league, right? It's not like the bills are making that rule. I mean, every team does that. Um, They are working on things. They do not want us to report and they don't, they just don't want us to report it aside from having people from the other media market coming in and reporting and going back Mm -hmm. and talking to their team. But yeah, so good question, Anthony, but once the regular season comes around, like Matt said, like we only get to watch that beginning a portion of practice. And then even there's a lot of rules about tweeting and video and when we can do things, when we can't do things, but it's, it's not a lot of stuff we can watch. All right. You got another one. Yeah. This one is from just the underscore bills fan. How does IR work regarding off field participation? Can Hyde be in trainings, locker room, et cetera. I'll let you go ahead. Um, so he can, yes, he, he can be, he can do anything except practice. Yes. I mean, he can go in the locker room. He can be a part of the team. He can go in and be 
you know, weight lift weights and things like that. I mean, that's really what Marquez Stevenson is kind of doing anyway, I guess. I mean, not that I've seen him do it or, but what he's allowed to do as he gets ready, because when the time comes for them to activate them, they want them in shape and doing those things, but they can't work out. They can't be with coaches and actually doing things like that. A little bit different in the weight room training staff. They can be with the training staff. They can't actually be on the field doing any kind of practice. They can't be, you know, working out individually with coaches. That would be considered kind of the same thing. Uh, Jeff Rusak, your colleague. Oh yes. Former, former colleague, former colleague, my fault. Where's Jeff now? Uh, he is. works for, he got into public relations. Okay. Well, it said baseball as it says on his, he likes baseball. All right, here yes. we go. Jack, Jeff, which would you rather have in your backyard, a lazy river or a wave pool? Lazy I, river. 100%. Lazy river. Lazy I, river. No okay. questions asked. So, so I don't know if you're in the same boat, why you say that? Because me too, the, what you just talked about with scary movies and haunted houses, that's me basically with water. Like, I do not like water. I don't love going on boats. Um, I do not want to be in waves and rivers or anything like that. Uh, uh, wave pools. But lazy river just laying there when there's no fear and I can just kind of relax. Mm-hmm. Totally cool. But I am not a water person at all. Do you do cruises? Love you just cruises. Did, yeah, you just cruises. did your cruise. You That's not water. People cruises. have to understand. Cruises are big, 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 big ships that you don't know you're on water. I am skeeved out by And they cruise. drop you off on land. I'm skeeved by a cruise. I don't know if I would like it or not. But, I think you'd love it, but you have to get over the mental hurdle of knowing that you're not on water because you're going to be thinking about being on water all the time. Yeah, that's fair. It, right? But yeah, you, you can't. You, I think you'd like a cruise for sure. I'll try it eventually. This okay. one is from this one is from Ralph. Why the hell is Leslie Frazier allergic to dialing up zero blitzes? <laughs> Why is he so stubborn when teams pass pro and he just sends four? Does he not believe in his DBs to hold up for three seconds? And then he says too high isn't the only coverage. And I think that specifically regarding the game against Miami, yes, he was terrified of them getting beat over the top. And that's why they weren't doing an all out blitz, even though they got burned when they only rushed three. I think that's why I think he was trying to protect the secondary a bit. Well, I would say the overall big picture is it's just, the defense they run. That is not their defense. Sean McDermott's basic principles is it's Burke Dermott's defense. Really? It's Leslie Frazier running it. Um, they're in conjunction. The basic premise of his defense has always been try to get pressure with the front four. Don't blitz and expose people play zone defense on the back end. Keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat deep and make everyone work for what they get. I mean, that's what they do. So they do blitz once in a while. And when they do, they try to pick their spots. Demar Hamlin actually came up and blitzed a couple times from his safety spot. We saw Tremaine against the Titans get a, uh, sack that way. So I understand there's definitely an argument people can make. They should blitz more often. Totally get it. My counter would be, they've been the best defense or near the best defense in the league since these guys got here. I think that their system works. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't make the play. You just don't execute. So they just don't believe in it. That's not what it's not they don't believe in it. It's just what they prefer not to do because they believe playing the way they play it is what's better for them. their their team and really trying to win games. I'll, right. uh, I'll, I'll yeah. answer this one really quick. Somebody okay. just asked update on Matt's dad. Hope recovery yes. is going well. That's from, Van- that's from Vancouver bills backers. Their logo is unbelievable. By the way, thank you for asking. He's doing much better. His birthday was on Sunday. He was watching the bills lose to the dolphins. He was incredibly frustrated as he was watching that game. So every time he gets mad at the bills, it feels like things are getting a little bit more back to normal. <laughs> so we are very, very fortunate. So thank you for asking. I appreciate it. That's really great. And, um, the Vancouver bills backers, there's bills backers everywhere, man. It's crazy. Go to Milan, Italy. There are the bills backers. I met with them out there in Vancouver, anywhere you go in the world. It seems like there's bills backers, tons of them in the United States. All right. Um, I like this question a lot. I've been asked this question many times. You and I come from probably different perspectives on this, given our mediums that we normally operate in, however, mm-hmm. TV and radio. So I'll um, answer it after you do. I'll let you go first. Kyle. Does the Bills being a Super Bowl contender make your job harder, maybe even more fun? Just curious. And I'll expand on it, Matt. Like, is your job harder or easier if the Bills are bad versus good, basically? You know what I mean? Well, it's 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 an it, that's a really interesting question. It's a really big, long conversation. It is harder in the sense that so many more people care and you dedicate so much more time to that. But it's also easier 
because so many people care and there are so many things that you can talk about. So it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit. I will say you learn very early on. You don't root for teams. Excuse me. You root for stories. You root for yada, yada, yada. The worst thing is mediocrity. You want the team that you cover to be outstanding or horrendous. A middle-of-the-road team is very difficult to talk about week in and week out, day in and day out, because it feels like all of the days blend together. That was a really tough thing for me to deal with when I was pro- per, you know, predominantly covering the Sabres for a couple of years there, because it felt like every year was the exact same. It's like, okay, it's February. They're not going to make the playoffs. They've got these prospects. Maybe they're going to play, but they're still not very good. And it was that over and over and over again. So I would say it's easier because you always have things to talk about. And there's so many people that are interested, but it's harder in the aspect that there is so many eyes and there's so many ears on it every single day. And so many people care. So you always feel like you're on your toes a little bit because it's got such a big reach. I love it. Um, so I, I think that from a reporter's perspective, we just do the job, right? Like mm-hmm. you report on the team when they make a transaction, they make a transaction. Um, so that part of it kind of doesn't change, but I will tell you, I will speak from a talk show host perspective because I've been being, I've been a talk show host on radio for a long time and I still am. Most people will tell you it is better for your talk show when the team stinks Yeah, they're bad. Because more people call, more people complain, more people listen in. They want it. They're frustrated. They, you want to hear from the fans. You're the conduit for the fans, right? That's what it is. And whoever everything's going peachy keen, who, nobody has a reason to call, <laughs> right? Uh, you don't, you, you want to call or you want to listen in when something's bad, who are they going to get in the draft? Because I'm tired of this quarterback, fire the coach, all that kind of stuff. But I'm glad I do this podcast with you because you grew up in Buffalo. You have talked about on this podcast, being a Sabres fan. I grew up in Buffalo. I grew up a Bills fan. Correct. We are taught, and the professional part of our job is you don't cheer, you don't root. Matt, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't give a darn if anybody knows or cares that I'll tell you right out, I want Buffalo teams to win. Yeah. I'm from this city. I'm from this area. I grew up here. It doesn't mean that I have to go on and praise everything they do or never criticize them. I'm just telling you that my job is personally to me more fun that this team is a contender because I get to be a part of it. I'm on the sidelines, man. It's awesome. I love being a part of that environment and it and be, and I'm a positive guy and Mm -hmm. I'm from Buffalo. I want them to win. And if that offends anybody, I'm totally sorry. I don't really care. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's an incredible, it's a, such a great point from you. And it's also so relevant that, you know, I think back to even Monday coming back into town, you know, you get back on Sunday night, I get back on Monday People are just miserable. People are miserable because the Bills lost the day before. The energy in the city is so different coming off of a win than it is coming off of a loss. Mm -hmm. And also everybody in my life who I care about really wants them to win. So while I'm not sitting there going like, okay, come on, Bills, let's go, let's go. Everybody in my life when they win is much happier than they are when they lose. And I like associating myself with people who are in a good mood as opposed to people who are miserable all the time. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting conversation. And it's also really interesting because they've gotten so good. Like the desire for content, the desire for people wanting to hear about the bills has become so, so big. And that's great for us. But it also means we're doing way more. So it's funny that it does work both ways, but that's an interesting one. That was a good question. Good job spotting that one. I didn't see that one. Here's a good one. This is from Ben Shoop. Might be Ben Shoop. It's Shoop. What's the best sports city you've ever been able to visit? I think that's a really good question. Whoa. I have to think about this sports city. Yep. I mean, I think Boston's a great sports city and I don't love their sports teams. <laughs> I know. I, I, hate I know you don't. I, mean, I know you don't. I hate the Bruins. I hate the Red Sox. I grew up a Sabres fan, Yankees fan, but it's a great sports city. It really is. They care about their sports a lot. I think New York's a great sports city. And the only yep. thing I care about there is the Yankees. I Philly is a really good one too. I mean, they're Philly passionate. Very good one. They're passionate. They might get a little out of hand once in a while, but I don't know. That East coast corridor always seems like maybe that's the answer here. Yeah. The one that I was going to say that wasn't mentioned, because I think that it's almost unfair to say New York or Boston, just because those are so, so big. Chicago is too, but I was going to say Chicago. Chicago is a great sports city. They love their Cubs, their White Sox, the Bears, the Blackhawks, obviously the Bulls for so long. So Chicago is a really good one. There are so many. Cleveland, you want to go Cleveland at all? 
No. I, I mean, they really, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, yes, I do. I am going, man, our friends, I, both, I'm, our friends, John Scott and Josh Peter, I'm going to tell them th- about this. I think I'm doing it out of spite. Honestly, <laughs> I, it's a, it's a great, it's a great sports city. I think of it very much like Buffalo. Yes. I think of it very much like green Bay. I think of it very much like other cities that don't have all of them. I think, I think for the sake of the conversation, you probably need all four major professional sports teams, or you got to be a really, really, really big time, like college program. So I I wouldn't, I I love Buffalo sports fans in Buffalo are out of this world. Amazing, but I wouldn't include them in that. And I feel like because it's just not big enough. Don't have enough sports. Well, Cleveland is Cleveland is definitely big enough. Cleveland deserves, I'll rescind it a little bit. Yeah. Cleveland deserves some love. Detroit deserves some love. Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh's kind of the same thing. They've got three. They don't have four. So it's like, yeah, it's, I, it, it's hard to compare anything to New York or Boston. Definitely not Miami, Tampa. No, Charlotte. no, no. Oh, anywhere place people any, from everywhere anywhere, else, anywhere that's like warm and has, you know, usually great weather is yes. not a, and, and I think people there would even say that they're, they're not sports crazed cities. All right. Um, I have one more to get to, unless you have another, go ahead. Okay, um, if we can wrap on this one, I'd like to specifically wrap on this one because okay. uh, Dr. Andy Mitchell asks, and it just gives me a chance to talk about this for a second. He says, with Hurricane Ian hitting Florida tonight, what's the scariest weather you've ever experienced? So I want to come at you on a couple different levels on this. First of all, um, I am I am watching this hurricane very, very intently. It is literally hitting the town where I lived for 16 years, yeah. directly impacted tonight. I have many friends I've been on text threads with tonight. I haven't heard from a lot of them because they're doing their best to stay safe, do what they can do. Um, If you look on a map, Englewood, Florida, where the weather channel has been all day, that's where I lived for 16 years. There was a little high school that I coached at and taught at called Lemon Bay, and it's right on the beach almost. Many of my friends are still there. My mother-in-law lives 10 miles north of there in Venice, which is getting hammered tonight. We just found out, Matt, it's Wednesday as we sit here. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law is okay, but across the street from her, a tree went right through the house into the, people's, into the people's living room. Yeah. Um, you know, we're hoping she's okay. She is without power already. She's going to be for weeks. And I'm just telling you that it's devastating. It's incredibly destructive. It's sad. I don't know what I'm going to wake up to tomorrow. I'm watching every single update here. Uh, we're doing this podcast. I'll be honest with you. It's a nice distraction for me tonight. Yeah. I've been just so hyper-focused on this and my anxiety is through the roof because of what's going on down there. It's horrible. And this, these things decimate communities and that's, what's going to happen to people that I care about a lot. My parents incredibly just sold their house three weeks ago there to move here to Buffalo. Wow. And they've been down there and they have friends who are calling them thinking they're still there. And they're like, no, we should move back to Buffalo. Right. So I want to, I want to answer the question here and I'll let you talk about it. 2004 hurricane Charlie hit the same area. Yep. When I moved to Florida in the mid nineties, I said, Oh, I kind of like to see what it's like to go through a hurricane. Cause I knew those things happened. Mm-hmm. Then hurricane Charlie hit Matt. I will tell you, Dr. Andy Mitchell for your question. I never, ever, ever want to go through that again. It was the most horrific weather experience I've ever experienced. And that was a category three to four, like high end three to four. This is a four to five. We were without power for a week at my house, and that was a blessing to be without power for a week. I live across I lived across the street from a middle school. Well, Matt, that middle school was closed for two weeks, not because the middle school was damaged, but because it housed hundreds of people who lost their homes. Yeah. We awful. were going across the street and helping people do laundry for two weeks. I drove down to Punta Gorda, where you will see Jim Cantori tonight, Wednesday night, all night. He's in the middle of this thing, I drove down there and the things I saw still are scary to this day to think about. I saw a kid basically sitting on his bed. You know why I saw it? He had no walls. There were no walls in his house. I saw a gas station reduced to what was basically firewood and looked like sticks. That is the worst weather I've ever experienced. And what they're going through now is worse. And my thoughts have been with them all day and they will be all night and going forward. And I've even thought that like, am I going to have to leave here to go help my mother-in-law? Because I don't know what she's going to wake up to tomorrow morning. 
It's very scary. Praying for everybody down there, praying for your family, for your friends, all of the people you know. I think Buffalo has so many people who do have homes in yes. Florida or know people who have homes in Florida. And same thing for me. I've got some family in Sarasota, not far from where you are. I've got some family in Siesta Key. You know all about it. They are very, very scared. And as of right now, all updates are good. It seems like they're just kind of getting hit with terrible weather but the damage isn't anything they haven't experienced. But as we're doing this podcast, it feels like Ian is still not a, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. So we're hoping that it continues, you know, and these are people who are 90 years old. So they have somebody come up and put the storm shutters on. But after that, there's really not much they can do because they're not in the evacuation zone, but so many people are trying to evacuate. They're so close to it that they're just kind of trapped. And it's a really, it's something that I'm very fortunate that I have never had to experience. And I just am thinking of everybody who is, and, you know, I work at a news station. So a lot of today was seeing all of the coverage of the hurricane. And because I have such this urge for, it's just something that I've always had. Like I'm always, the minute we finish this podcast, I'm going to go turn on the national news and I'm going to watch all of the storm coverage because I, I just can't get enough of it. And I don't know if that sounds bad, but I'm just so enthralled with everything that's going on. And of course, I hope that everybody's okay. I've never experienced anything close to that. The only thing that I've experienced that was really out of the ordinary, and I should say it was still very significant because multiple people died, was the storm in November of 2014, that oh, massive storm. Yeah. At that point, I was still a news reporter at Channel 7. And I grew up in Wheatfield. So at that point I was commuting back and forth between Wheatfield and Buffalo, but the storm hit in the middle of the night and I was working the morning show. So my shift was from three 30 to 1230 every single day, but the storm became so big and so significant that I couldn't get out of the city. And for people who are listening, who are in Western New York, a lot of you are going to remember the city was kind of the dividing line. Like my dad was it cutting was. the, my dad was cutting the lawn in Wheatfield, and I was stuck in a hotel across the street from the station because I couldn't get out. But the worst night of it was I was meeting a photographer. I, we met at the station and he had, just come back from South Buffalo or from it might not have been South Buffalo, but he was coming back over the skyway and he crashed the station Jeep into the railing of the skyway because visibility was so bad. And this is somebody who was from the area and he was just telling everybody, this is the worst weather I have ever seen in Buffalo. So I remember that night we got into a different car. We drove back by like Mercy Hospital. That was one of the areas that just got destroyed and our car got stuck in one of the Tim Hortons parking lots over there. And in just a matter of a couple hours, the snow was past our knees and then it was up to our waists. And it was just that week was insane. There was no going home. You basically started working at three 30 in the morning. You worked until seven o'clock at night. There was news nonstop from the minute the morning started until all the way through the six o'clock news. And then honestly, you would just, eat food out of a vending machine and fall asleep at the hotel that we stayed at and then walk across the street and do it all again the next day. I, I vividly remember the thing from that storm was I brought, when you're a news reporter and you're covering stories, you you have a, something called a go bag and you always have your clothes and an extra set of things in your bag. So you're ready to go in case you get stranded, in case you you know end up getting stuck overnight. Well, I only had enough clothes for three days. Um, which I thought was enough. It wasn't because I was at the station for six days in a row. So I remember taking a hairdresser from the woman's dressing room and I was using it to dry off my socks. So wow. I was putting the socks over the hairdresser and I was blowing hot air. And I remember like all of ABC news was basically headquartered at our building for that week. Cause they were all here as well. And they were just like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. And it was, I'll, I'll always remember there was that massive pile of snow over by Central Terminal, where they were just literally bringing truckloads of snow and dumping it off. And that, that hill was 20 feet in the air, 30 feet in the air by the end. And then all of the, it, it was a unforgettable week. That is for sure. But I think I'd take the snowstorm any day compared to the devastation that a hurricane has. So I'm very, very fortunate. I haven't had to go through that. Well, we're all thinking about everybody down in Florida, particularly the Southwest area, but across the state, because this thing is massive. And, um, you know, we hope that everybody heed the warnings and, and stayed safe and did whatever you could to make sure uh, that's the case. In the meantime, um, 
we hate to leave on that. So I don't know a uh, little positivity, I guess uh, bills at Ravens on Sunday. What can we talk about? It'll be a little positive. How about, how about let's end on the Thursday night game. Let's do it that way. Miami at Cincinnati. Don't know if Tua is going to play in the game. He is questionable. Does Miami get their first loss of the season? I, I know you want us to end on positivity, but I don't think they do. I think they get oh. a win. I think they do. I think they get a win. I think Miami's good. We do have to give our predictions though. So we could end up. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I will, um, I'll say Cincinnati wins. I think Miami short week, they were also a little bit banged up. A few other guys are banged up Two was questionable. Um, I, I think Miami goes to Cincinnati. Also, they were disrupted by the storm as well. Had to get out of, out of Miami a little bit earlier. It's kind of messed up their week on a short week as it is, uh, to, to take that trip. So I'm going to say Cincinnati wins on Thursday night. And the Bills on Sunday, I think, get back on the winning track. I think they score over 30 points. I'll call it 31. I mean, the, the Ravens can score. They can move the ball. Bills are a little depleted, as we know, in the secondary. I'll give them 24. I'll say 31-24. Maybe this will end the Bills can't win one score games narrative. I think that a lot of people would be really, really happy if that was <laughs> the case. I was going to pick the Ravens. Until I talked to a couple people in Baltimore who cover the team and were pretty adamant that the Bills are going to win. And I was like, wow, I'm surprised because I don't necessarily know if I feel that way, but they convinced me. So I'm going to say Bills 34, Ravens 29. I like weird numbers. I do too. That's good. I like that. All right. Well, Matt, um, you have a great weekend and you and I will talk after the Ravens game on Sunday. And we can also hope that everybody else out there has a great weekend and also invite them to subscribe to this podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo, wherever you pod, wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you subscribe, download us, throw us a nice review, a five-star rating, all that neat jazz. Matt, have a great weekend, buddy. And we'll talk next Sunday after the game. Thanks buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. From Matt Bovey, I'm Sal Capaccio. Thanks for tuning in and downloading and subscribing to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.